Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by professional wrestling commentator Tax Williams. And in fairness, I should possibly say today that I'm joined by my broadcast colleague on OWE. Fair point. Yeah, yeah. So no longer can you be deemed just a fanboy. Um, mm. If you missed it, if you missed it on our social media, if you missed it on nothing else on TV, uh, I was joined in the commentary booth for this week's crowning of the first ever OWE Dragon Legend Champion by... This guy right here. <laughs> That's a thumbnail, if ever I saw it. Welcome to commentary. <laughs> Thanks, man. I enjoyed it. It was nerve-wracking as hell. And like we decided not to announce it on the pod because I just yeah. wanted to just kind of gently work my way into trying to do professional wrestling commentary. But I really, really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for the opportunity, man. Like genuinely from the bottom of my heart. Like it was it was a joy to do. So yeah. Damon Arcee wasn't available. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I should have gone with with gimmick names rather than just fanboy rich. Should have gone with Damon Arcee. Um, Damon Damon Arcee, yeah, that's the right one. But, um, Spoonerisms, yay! We find out sort of the viewing numbers this Friday okay, to find cool. out how many people viewed it. The nice thing so far is there's been no negative comments. Because oh, as I wow, mentioned at okay. the tail end of last week's pod, you know, I get a bit of flack. People post things on some of the message boards on the TV shit channel if they're not happy with things. And it's not just OWE. If they don't like things in Firestar, they don't like stuff in AOWAWO, uh, the Ukrainian wrestling. Yeah. And people just post in there because they don't like the wrestling, let alone the Ukrainian commentary. But so far, everything's <laughs> okay. been pretty positive. So I have been told, essentially, that, you know, I can pick if I want to keep using you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, master tax, please, may I? And I, in all seriousness, I had so much fun doing commentary with you last week. Oh, it good, was man. I'm glad. absolute yeah. blast. So um, as soon as they give us our next show to do, as long as they're happy for us to carry on two-man booth, I think this is it. Oh, exciting, man. That That's really fun. Yeah, that's I'm chuffed a bit. Who like, would have thought yeah. the little podcast would have got some notoriety for me as a professional wrestling commentator, and now we're both doing commentary on the number one Chinese, nay, Asian wrestling promotion with some of our boys going to AEW to compete and double or nothing against SCU, who have arrived and landed in Shanghai this morning. Amazing. Breaking news. <laughs> yeah. Breaking news on the Oriental Wrestling Entertainment Twitter feed, retweeted by yours truly, at the Tex Williams. Let's try and shield some of this shit. At Rich B. Oh, no. no! I'm Fanboy Rich on Twitter. Sorry, I've changed my handle, so I've got to remember that. Apologies for peeking the mic there. Ah, so, don't um, worry, it's fine. So, yeah. Thanks very much for doing commentary. Thanks, as always, for, you know, the pod. I absolutely love working with you in wrestling, and hopefully... um. If you want to do the declarations of independence, Sean McMahon, you want to bring an extra person with us to Tampa? This guy only flies economy, whereas I fly business. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, so talking about the pod and everything, like, I want to put it at the beginning of this pod, like, if you want to support us, go buy a t-shirt. We've got these on Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk at the moment. It would really support us. It's only 15 quid, $20. So if you want to go pick one of those up, it will help us uh, keep this pod going and uh, continue our commentary endeavors into the world of professional wrestling. Yeah, as soon as we get booted off nothing else on TV, then you're going to need to buy a lot more t-shirts. <laughs> and you can find all our stuff at worldofwrestlingpodcast.com or on iTunes, Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, World of Rest Pod, you know, you can find us all there. Just search World of Wrestling Podcast, you'll find all our stuff. Yeah. A shout out to people who were very complimentary about uh, our Brawl for All show, especially, you know, again, our friend of the show, Will Power, said it got him through some he hefty marking. So, you know, thanks very much <laughs> for interacting with us. We really appreciate everyone who listens to this. As we said before, Absolutely. we say on a few pods, you know, this is just us to escape being parents, talk yeah. about wrestling, have an afternoon of just talking shit about things that we find <laughs> sure. either brilliant or downright ridiculous, like the Brawl for All. 
It was so. never meant to fall into like any sort of area of career, but it feels like it's kind of going that direction a little bit. Yeah, cheers, progress. Just surreal, you know? <laughs> yeah, progress was that kick that kind of got us going, really, yeah, wasn't definitely. it? Yeah, I think we owe them a lot. Anyway, so today's podcast, uh, we are done sucking each other's dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, this isn't a brawl for all. <laughs> We have WCW's, the sorry, chapter one of the WCW Hogan-Kidman trilogy. Uh, we are starting with episode 238 of WCW Nitro, Monday Night Nitro, on April the 10th, the year 2000. Now, what just, a glorious year for professional wrestling. <laughs> I think I can sum up the history of Nitro, the previous 200 episode before that. Okay. Luger debuted in a shopping centre. Mm. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash went over. The NWO was really good. Then everyone joined the NWO. Then everyone got AOL Time Warner contracts with Creative Control. Then it turned to shit, and then they rebooted on this episode. There was a good area where they ran the fuck out of ideas. I think it was like the beginning of 99, where it just went, we don't know what to do anymore. Fuck it, just keep doing it, keep doing it. And it got horrifically bad. I think it got horrifically bad when they basically went, Bischoff, you're out of control. I know we can fix this. Russo. Exactly. So, this was broadcast live on TNT, Turner Network Television, who is the owner of WCW, obviously. Uh, the Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado. What a place to restart your product. Let's go, Broncos. <laughs> Do you follow American football? Or? Denver Broncos is the first American football show I owned. Really? Yeah. Wow, okay. I don't really follow American football. I follow every other American sport, apart from baseball, because it's bullshit. Um, <laughs> even though I care about the Red Sox. You I'd know, rather like, watch Bat and Trap in a yeah, pub. For sure, man, yeah. <laughs> But like, if I was going to support an American football team, it would be probably the Packers, just because I've I, this is the first team I still play, you know. But that's irrelevant at this point. So the attendance for this show was nine thousand and seventy-four people, according to Cage Match. Nine thousand more than any five-star show. <laughs> <laughs> The TV rating, which we'll talk about a lot more later, I think, in the regards to Mm. WWF and such. The TV rating for this night show was a 3.1. On this night, WWF Rory's War did a 6.2. So half the rating of Raw. The war is definitely over at this stage. Feels like it, doesn't it? And where you saw when WCW were kicking the backsides of WWE in the ratings wars back in the day... WWE were striving to find new. They were trying to evolve. They were trying to advance. And WCW just looked like, fuck, what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, I know what we're going to do. What says main event? Big money pay-per-view by rates. The originator of Hulkamania versus that bird who's banging Tory Wilson. <laughs> the bloke who's banging Tory no, long hair, bird. <laughs> Fair enough. So, um... Let's just go over a few things that happened in WCW in 2000, okay? So, the big gold belt was vacated six times, okay? This is just as Russo's taking over. I guess that's how we need to start, actually. Do you want to talk about how Russo's got to this point, almost? Russo and Bischoff, I guess we should say. So, Russo, at this stage, he made a name for himself writing for the WWE magazine. And if you weren't aware of the history of Vince Russo, and the chance are you do as a wrestling fan, so you can correct me as well if I go off piece where I go, but... Vince McMahon liked the storylines in the WWE magazine better than he liked what was being written on TV. So yeah. he basically brought Russo up to start writing TV during the Attitude Era. It's been gone over in so many documentaries now, but that's the rough idea they always yeah. come... And there's so many variations on these different people and shoot interviews and such, but that is the basic idea of it, you know? So Vince Russo then obviously budded up with Ed Ferrara, and they were doing very well on Monday Night Raw. Obviously, this is where it now deviates between Russo versus Pritchard versus... Everyone else Cornette. and everyone else, Cornette shooting what goes. But according to the 
dirt sheets and sort of the more Russo sympathizers, as soon as they started broadcasting SmackDown on UPN, it was going to be another show to write, and they didn't have the time, so they were suffering from burnout. <laughs> Not the multi-million pound dollar contract to try and steal Vince McMahon's golden goose. Yeah, that was why he left, obviously. Yeah. So Russo has ended up in WCW. He's been booking for a while, but has definitely had, um, how to put it, obstacles <laughs> in the way. <laughs> I mean, we could list every wrestler who was an obstacle. I think maybe Meng wasn't. <laughs> yeah exactly van hammer might not have been and so it seems like they've had a lot of faith in russo he hasn't quite pulled it out the bag like they wanted to he seems frustrated with a lot of what was going on judy pagwell judy bagwell on a pole match (laughs) i think that's after this i was after i'm not sure i don't remember i think it was later 2000 but like the company's basically got a year left in it before wcw dies it's a year and a bit and so they've gone oh fuck what what did we do well previously they've gone bring back bischoff and so we've got to this point where they've hit reset on everything, which we'll go over in a second. They've got Russo seems to be the main booker and Bischoff kind of along for the ride almost. But this to me is the dumbest fucking idea ever. If you're going to have two bookers who've got completely different ideas of the industry, like you listen to 83 Weeks, listen to Russo talk, like they're completely different, like bro, contradictory bro, ideas. Bro, bro, bro. It's like listening to fucking Matt Riddle. <laughs> Maybe this is why I have such disdain for Matt Riddle, because I just see Russo. I think Matt Riddle's funny, though. Russo is just a prick. Allegedly. No, he is. <laughs> he definitely is. My judgment of him and what his actions, he's a fucking prick. Are you trying to tell me that the skit went after Joe had Bell's pausing and had like Ed <sighs> down being Oklahoma? Ah, uh, psychosis. Oh, no, it was a Hoventude Guerrero. He was a great offensive lineman for Tijuana State. <laughs> That's <laughs> the man, worst, amazing. So WCW in 2000, the big gold belt is vacated six times. Three of those times, the vacated were all in January. Okay. That was Brett, Benoit, and Sid, right? There were 25 main title changes. Just the one big gold belt changed 25 times in one year. That's more than two a month. <laughs> like, it's fucking mental. I love creative control. If I ever had creative control <laughs> oh, on a contract, God. I would have a much more glorious title history than I currently do of <laughs> zero. And I also contacted in my entire professional wrestling career. My, my match totals recorded are probably about... Zero. <laughs> oh, dude. But there were 11 different champions, including, a bit of a spoiler here, David Arquette, the actor and wife of Courtney Cox. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, David. I love you, mate. And Vince Russo himself. Okay. So let's get to the show, shall we? We open on a big star shaped WCW 2000 logo, <laughs> the big redesign. The dumbest fucking logo in professional wrestling because it doesn't say WCW anywhere on the logo. It's basically like vagina. <laughs> it's so fucking. It's vagina dumb. with fallopian tubes on the side. <laughs> it, it's the it's it's. I remember seeing it and being like, okay, it's like it's quite modern. Like I'm talking like in 1990, yeah. when I first saw it as a kid. You know, it's quite modern. Looks different. Like they're going to compete. Like this is they've got. You know, WWF writing guys, they've got the new set, everything. Oh, they've got the dancing girls still. They've got the nitro girls, front and centre, all your talent. Yeah, like in, even in the intro video, yeah. it's just all nitro girls. <laughs> like you can see what they're going for immediately. It's just trash, crass, kind of bullshit. 
not even soap opera, just nonsensical, let's just cram as much shit in there as we possibly can and as little wrestling as we possibly can. And I watched it every Friday on Bravo in the UK. <laughs> we all <Loved> did. <laughs> did you swap back and forth? Uh, well, luckily uh, for, for me, I always, for when I was watching, I don't know, because you said you had cable, didn't you? And uh, I had, NTL, yeah. NTL, and I had like Old a Digibox. Oh. Um, so I had Nitro and then Raw. After, so I could watch one, then the other. Really? For okay. the, to start with, until it got to like the 2001, and then they were simulcast in the UK on um, Sky Sports and then Bravo slash TNT. Yeah, so I would literally swap between the two. So WCW would always start a bit earlier, so I'd always start with WCW. And I'd know that uh, I think it was 8 o'clock or whenever yeah. it was, I'd swap over to Raw, because I always preferred WWF. I was a full eater of the the retirement home WCW gimmick, you know, I was like, nah, it's dumb. Yeah. But you knew that the opening matches were always going to be Guerrero, Malenko, yeah. Jericho, all these guys, like Hoovy even, you know. And I always used to love watching their matches. But I always remember thinking, it's the dinky ring, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the big fat ropes. It's It's... Silly production, you know, it's just pyro and smoke and like very little interesting storylines. And the thing is that the moment Stone Cold Steve Austin would come out on Raw, you'd be like, Right, I'm watching this. Yeah, there's no way I'm missing this promo. Like, he didn't have to wrestle at all. What he could for the just artist? Talk. You'd rather watch the artist? <laughs> no, no, Prince I, okay. <laughs> you know, like, I actually quite liked him as a kid, yeah. but like, it's all I thought it was funny, like the Prince gimmick, anyway. So, um we get an intro video, dancing girls, there's loads of fire, barely any wrestling references at all. Um, there's a cool kind of like tear split animation where the, the screen splits in half. And I was like, oh, that's quite a nice little touch. Which like, is now a PowerPoint transition slide. No, oh, it probably is. You probably do it on your phone nowadays, you know, <laughs> but like back in the day, that would have been reasonably complicated oh, yeah. to do, you know. So anyway, so Tony Schiavone welcomes us to the show. There's shots of the crowd, a fuck ton of pyro, and he calls it a landmark event in sports entertainment. The night the world changed changed he knows what's gonna happen like come on you're, like you're meant to be in the moment like is this the night the world's gonna change is how you should phrase this you know at this stage he's a bit like they're not even gonna take up my contract when i die i'll just let them try and take scott hudson and arn anderson i'll just live <laughs> for a podcast one day <laughs> well he's got to that point now at least so he says uh, they're gonna turn the page on a brand new chapter the dawning of a new era and there's just endless shitty camera work the whole time the camera's like going oh oh shit the pyro's over there oh fuck like they're just it's you know he's been fed these lines right he's been yeah. told you have to say this 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 get this over but they've completely forgotten about the class of the quality of the production level immediately yeah like it's just fire pyro naked girls you know big spiky logos a man shouting at you with dodgy camera work and shitty shots of the crowd and do you know what this instantly reminded me of go on when we covered the first episode of tna oh very much so yeah just it's, it's there the ideas are okay but the, the execution of it is fucking abysmal it looked budget yeah it really did for the budget they had it looked shoddy i almost thought that their crew must have been mm. like rent a crew Oh, they were. They were TNT. They called them in. They were Turner. They weren't WCW. Like, um, Bischoff talks a lot about this on the pod. And that basically, they would just go, um, well, we've got all these guys from these TV shows in Turner that aren't very good, but we want to keep them employed because we've got them under contract. So uh, just send them to WCW. It'll be all right. They've just got to stand there and look at the wrestling. That's what they did with Scott Steiner. This guy's (laughs) not very good. We've got him under contract, though. (laughs) I love Scott Steiner. (laughs) So let's talk about the set. All right. We've got a new set. One simple big four by three screen in the middle. That was me like four by three. You're kind of looking in the past there. You want the big widescreen sixteen by nine, you know, which they eventually mm. adopt. But basically, it's it's quite small the screen, and they've just kind of fluffed it out with tons of scaffolding. Yeah. <laughs> is the way I can put it. 
basically they ran out of time when setting it up. I'm like, it feels like it. Just leave that then. It looks like backlash. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. Like, now, now as a side note, now known as gone. Stomping Ground. Oh, WWE. is that what they're calling it now? Isn't that a WCW one? Stomping Ground. Oh, I'm thinking it was like Spring Stampede yeah. and stuff. No, it's never been a Stomping Ground, has it? No, and that's, never will be again. That's a reference to something. Yeah, this, I'm sure it this is. is this year's Great Balls of Fire. There's something in it. <laughs> you can just Stomping Ground's gonna just disappear. Yeah, oh, without a shadow of it. I mean, so yeah. is the company. Eight million <laughs> off its share price this this quarter. When when you look at the the share price being forty five million eight million off, it's not a massive jump really in context, but it is bad. But no, but all percentiles are down, and this is the thing that WCW. This, yeah. this is there is a different like there is a different tangent link to this to what yeah, yeah. we're covering today. But this is why I always fear, and we touched on this a couple of months ago. WWE is now in the position where Nitro is now. Their stock what, pro- on this show. On this show, yeah, yeah, they're having to reboot, so they've kicked out all of their creative. They've got all their new guys in, but it goes the wrong way. The ring product, as we're going to get to over the next few episodes, is poor. The storylines are not great. The production values, granted, the WWE's camera work is good, but they just they don't try anything new. Mm. They've got the same boring set. You don't know if it's Rumble or WrestleMania. You know, it's and to an extent, yeah, I know what you're saying. Like that W that WrestleMania production really disappointed yeah. me. But while, obviously, Nitro's figures were always encompassed under AOL Time Warner books, down as other Bishop always goes on about in the in the accounting, Yeah. obviously, WWE being a fully listed, publicly traded company, you can tell. But through what I did my little finance research before this, the gates were down, the pay-per-view buy rates were down, obviously, you've already touched on TV ratings were down. Mm-hmm. It's everything that's happening to WWE right now. Yeah, maybe so, man. So, let's get back to this, okay? So, the ring is a new blue canvas ring with the ni- new spiky Nitro WCW logo thing with red ropes, black turnbuckles. Immediately, I'm like, that looks familiar. <laughs> Does that is that the raw ring? It's like... It seems like such a dumb thing to try and like Russo come in and be like, yo, bro, what we're going to do is we're going to change the ring so it looks exactly like theirs. They won't know the difference, bro. You know, like, Goldberg, you do a stunner now, bro. <laughs> so fucking dumb, man. It's really weird. Immediately you get these kind of weird vibes just off the setup of the initial introduction. Hot indie with money. Yeah. So there are a buttload of wrestlers already in the ring. Well, the camera, wrestlers. <laughs> the camera pans uh, and we see Chris Candido. And you're like, okay, good start. Stacey Keebler standing behind him. And you're like, okay. Pans across to David Flair. We're like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to go well. It went downhill really fucking quickly. Brian Nobbs. <laughs> that's, the, that's the weirdest one. Brian Nobbs is standing there in a big yellow shirt with a fucking belt. It's the TV strap, isn't it? No, hardcore strap. Is it the hardcore strap? Bri- okay. Brian Nobbs, new blood. <laughs> so weird. Hogan's lackey as part of the new blood crew, you know? So the camera continues to pan across a plethora of utterly shit wrestlers, including Virgil. I spot Haku on the outside, and I'm like, oh, at least someone I like, you know? That'd be good. <laughs> yeah. Tank Abbott has his back to the camera. You're like, oh, nice professional job there, lads. Um, an array of mid-carders walk down to the ring, including the Steiner, the Wall, Booker, Vampiro, but most importantly, our star of this trilogy, the man, Billy Kidman, with his I can reach above myself in a million levels, Tory Wilson. Wearing the shittest, shittest suit I've ever seen anyone wear. I thought you could diss Tory Wilson for a second oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no. 
and then bringing a bag of shit to the ring. And then there was also Tory Wilson. <laughs> Fucking A, man. Now, this is a time for Kidman at this stage. So um, Wait, And Jeff Jarrett oh, came down to the ring. And Jeff, sorry. sorry and, uh, US, how, US how champion How do you Jeff spell Jarrett. that name? Nailed it. It's double J! But Kidman at this time had according to Dirt Sheets, become a lot more relaxed in WCW because he'd recently married Tori Wilson. Right. Okay. Up until that stage, he was a nightmare, allegedly backstage, because he felt that everyone was just trying to nail Tori Wilson, and you would. Well, I mean, goddamn, look at her. She's incredible this time, especially. He didn't want to do a Molina on her. I mean, Hi, it, Big Dave. <laughs> just, yeah. You see Tori Wilson at the the recent like Hall of Fame stuff. I was like, goddamn, woman. Like, Age. If I look that good at yeah. that time period, I'll be fucking impressed with myself, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so Kidman was relaxing a bit more. He was becoming a little bit more into it backstage. Obviously, he started to play the political game a little bit more because he was a bit more comfortable. And mm. the same thing that he felt that Tori Wilson had name value, so he could have a little bit more stroke around the back. Okay. Bad choice of words. But both <laughs> Jeff Jarrett and others. Um, but yeah, that suit was shit. It wasn't great. Yeah, but I mean, it's 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 two thousands. Like everyone has shit suits, didn't they? At least Brian Knobs was dressed better, <laughs> mate. He was dressed and so Jeff badly. And Jeff Jarrett coming out in his wicked ink orange sleeveless shirt. <laughs> nice, I was nice. Like, very yeah, tasty. Fucking a. So the commentators put over that no one has any idea what's going on. <laughs> Literally. Okay. The ring is almost completely full now. Jarrett cuts a promo and making out like Russo is the second coming of God. He says he's calls Russo Vince McMahon's best kept secret. The commentators put over this is the first time Russo has ever been on camera and Russo comes to the ring. He, he never wanted to be on camera. Shut up, Mark Madden. Sure he didn't. Yeah. Fucking hell. The amount of times he puts himself on this show today, it's astonishing the ego trip he gives himself. <laughs> so Russo cuts a promo putting over how great his ideas are and how the good old boy network wanted a change in direction. Russo name checks Benoit, Guerrero, Saturn, Malenko and Douglas. And you're like, one of these things is not like the others. <laughs> but that was also at the time when the Radicals had jumped ship. and That's why his name checking them. But yeah. Douglas was obviously with that group before they went to WWE. Right, was he? Yes. Um, but he was... Oh, as in on WCW TV, he yes. was in that oh, group. Oh, yeah, yeah. He wasn't traveling. Right. He didn't go over the Radicals okay. because they weren't interested in signing Douglas. So I, I remember doing the ECW stuff and obviously being an ECW fan. I wonder whether Douglas has gone back for a bit, but I didn't remember him in 2000. No, well... But- this gets paid off later. Oh, yeah. So Russo says, that's all over now, and I'm in charge again. And the audience go, boo. Vincent <laughs> like, Man goes, yay. Because <laughs> I think he sees what's coming. He's going to fuck up the whole product. So Russo tells the people in the ring to seize this opportunity. And then this voice goes, are you done yet? And Eric Bischoff makes his return to WCW. Back in the day... I was never the biggest Bischoff fan, but he was a heel. I was meant to hate him, right? Mm-hmm. But you've got to see the, all the glory days of WCW when Bischoff was in charge. But after being a fan of this 83 Weeks podcast with him and... Um, Comrade. Thank you very much. So, sorry, I forgot your name. <laughs> Jesus. I'm one of the most important people in pro wrestling podcasting today. Um, uh, his biggest flaw seems to be Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Everything he ever talks about comes down to him going, Hulk Hogan was a big name. Of course I had to put him over. He had the control, all this sort of shit, you know? Like, if you do every good thing Bischoff ever did, Hulk Hogan ruined everything else. Yeah, Hulk Hogan is was the catalyst for greatness for that company and also the reason it died. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and Bruce, I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Bischoff does his... 
I'm an aeroplane entrance, <laughs> which I always love. Whenever he thinks he's like doing cool stuff, you know how I like like Scott Hall will come out doing yeah. this. Russo does this. I'm an aeroplane, <laughs> and it always pops me every single time. I always love Bischoff's uh, <laughs> yeah. point as well. Love it. He's got his gimmick down at least, you yeah. know. So Russo and Bischoff shake hands and embrace as Jeff Jarrett applauds next to them. Uh, Bischoff cuts a little promo, going, "We're both we were both screwed by the good old boys network." Bischoff calls Scott Hall, Nash, Sting, DDP, Sid Hogan, wish, uh, wish, sorry, Sid wishes he was vicious. Hogan, he calls them mistakes. And I'm like, okay, you can kind of see where you're trying to go with this. Yeah. Bischoff seems to be working well at this point and like, you know, storylines, like giving it a chance, you know? So we cut to a shot of Lex, who didn't mention, who he didn't mention in his promo, uh, with Liz, DDB, Kimberly Sting and uh, Sting and uh, Sid watching on a monitor in the back. They make out their way to the ring, to the stage, sorry, and Bischoff continues to chat shit. DDP and Bischoff exchange words, and then that's when I noticed Brian Nobbs in the background with a title, and I was like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> uh, so Bischoff continues to rip on the old boys. Uh, Russo calls Ric Flair a piece of shit on the bottom of my shoe, and you're like, real classy, mate. Well done. But I did get the traditional wrestling fan. Ooh. Yeah, true. But like, why has he got to say shit on Turner at like eight o'clock in the evening? You know, controversial, it's... edgy product. Oh, he's very cool. It's just not though. There's no point. It that that'd be like Kalista coming and going, "Mom, go fuck yourself." <laughs> it's I'm wearing pants now. I'm a wrestler, but I'm licking my pants. Um, <laughs> so there's this amazing moment. I'm, I'm d- definitely going to say that when I ever come out on camera again. <laughs> I'm a wrestler, mum. Look at my pants. <laughs> There's this beautiful moment where Russo starts going off and swearing and stuff on TV. And you can see this look on Bischoff's face of just like, oh, fuck. What did I do? Why did I let this idiot? I should you know? go back and do more fly fishing in Cody, Wyoming and just let this die. Absolutely. So, I mean, um, this is on 83 Weeks. So I'll stop referencing the 83 Weeks eventually. But Bischoff talks about how he had a meeting with Russo away from the boys, away from everything. And Russo basically managed to convince him they could work together. And then Bischoff went back to the guys at Turner and went, yes, we can definitely work together. We can do this. This is the moment where he realizes, fuck, maybe I can't. <laughs> like, I'm convinced. Immediately, his face just drops and sinks. And he's like, oh, I feel so sorry for you, man. Yeah. It's a horrific moment. Um, right. So Rusoff uh, turns to Jarrett and tells him to trust him. And he says this. Do you want to read this quote? Okay. We're going to start a new day. Right here tonight. <laughs> yes, it is. So, Jeff, I'm going to ask you to hand that US title over to me. That's right, Jeff. All titles will be stripped tonight. It'll be a brand new playing field. That's it. Now, title information. So, Jeff Jarrett, US champion. Yeah. The Harris brothers. Big racists. Big racist tag champions. Mm-hmm. Brian Nobbs, hardcore champion. Of course, because Brian Nobbs needs a singles title. Now, did you notice there was a belt missing? TV strap. Yes. Who was it? Now, this was originally vacated... Um, by Scott Hall, who had dropped it in a bin. Oh, I remember this footage with him uh, and Nash playing basketball backstage and yeah. stuff. Is that that one? And then, a while later, yeah. a couple of months later, Duggan found it in the bin. Oh, I remember this storyline. And became US Janitor champion. Janitor Duggan. Yep. <laughs> yeah. um, but it wasn't even there to give the belt up, and it was that was it. That was the last 
he was last ever TV champion. It was retired. They never pu- pulled it back in off him. They stripped it and they just didn't defend it again after the show. Probably a sensible decision. Because the concept of the TV title is dead. Because you're defending your world title 25 times and changing it in a year. There is that. And with all the other straps they had, including the hardcore belt they've yeah. introduced and the cruiser belt as well. Yeah. Didn't notice the cruiser belt here either. No, I, I was going to try and do a quick check to see who was cruiser champion at that time. but Because this was also in the time when they were going to start introducing cruiser tag champs. They talked about it for sure. Because like, that's lots who, of rumors. Because you know? they crowned them on the last ever Nitro, didn't they? Because that was always yeah. run by Mysterio and Kidman. I think so. Again, trying to keep it linked into the pod. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so good. So Jeff gives up the belt. Harris Brothers give up their belts. Brian Nobbs gives up his belts. Um, Brian Nobbs' only belt, single title he's ever won. <laughs> they then tried to get the World Heavyweight Championship uh, off of Sid. But Bischoff um, kind of cuts a promo and Sid goes, come up here and take it. So Bischoff goes... Okay. All right. <laughs> and does, right? But there's maybe the greatest moment in this show where Bischoff goes, let me just find the quote, what, can't find your scissors? I was like, whoa. My jaw hit the floor. I forgot this happened. If you uh, don't know what we're talking about, just Google Sid, Arn Anderson, scissors. And have a whale of a time. <laughs> I love the fact that he would said it twice. <laughs> I know. Because Sid went, what the fuck did you just say to me? And he went, I said. <laughs> you know, just like, what a dick. I also man. really enjoyed the softball jibes as well in the ring before he went what out. What was to the ring. that one? Well, because Sid basically, including like his WWE career, used to be actually injured and end up going playing like for his softball team for softball season. <laughs> I've heard that before, actually. I was like, yeah. oh, oh, Sid, turn up to work. Well, softball season over, is it? It's like, yeah, nicely done. <laughs> Fucking hell, funny. I would say Sid, I think, is one of the most underrated big guys ever in pro wrestling. There's this moment where he go, where Bischoff goes, what are you going to do, Sid? Beat me up, sort of thing. And Sid just goes, and the whole crowd just goes, yeah, do it! <laughs> like, and did you ever see Sid in ECW as well? No. Oh, my God. He was booked like an absolute monster. He'd come in matches. You know how Kane used to come down to beat the people up yeah. and pin them, and that was it? Didn't even pin them. He used to beat them up and walk to the back. They used to do that with Sid in ECW. And, like, man, he was so good. It's like, if that leg break hadn't happened and maybe he'd been a bit more politically minded, I think Sid could have been one of those guys, you know, like the very, very top like Andre Hogan levels of just like big angry guy because he looks he used to terrify me as a kid and always a surprise he's never in the Hall of Fame yeah maybe yeah. there's a political well, I was reason. gonna say I think it's politics I mean yeah. anyone who shits themselves in a title match <laughs> allegedly allegedly yeah cheers Undertaker <laughs> so uh, what else we got so Sid looks genuinely fucked off um, well, he probably didn't know he's dropping the belt he probably didn't know he probably didn't <laughs> tell him because they got this reaction out of him and with all the lines they were dropping on him as well you know, I imagine Bishop just went, give me the fucking belt. Come on, just give me the fucking belt. But who knows? It's my TV time. I can do what I want. <laughs> so Bischoff puts over Spring Stampede, which the commentators mentioned is next week, which we're not going to do a podcast about, thank fuck. But we will go over the results next week before we go through Nitro and all that sort of shit. So cut to Scott Hudson, Mark Madden, and Tony Schiavone, who are oh. our commentators for this evening. <laughs> Summed up my opinion right there. Thank you very much. And they wonder why when they put the bloody WCW product on Monday Night Raw when they had Arn Anson and Scott Hudson doing For commentary sure. that it Terrible. failed it was nothing to do with Buff Bagwell being shit and not wanting to work with Booker it was to do that Scott Hudson is the most dull dull commentator in the world he definitely didn't increase my in like of this show I mean where did he even come from that sentence didn't make sense but you know what I mean? like it's fine uh, there's this brilliant bit where Mark Madden's just sitting there going 
Because that's how you sell shock, apparently. So it's it, all good. In fairness, though, at least he really over-egged it. At least yeah, he had some guess, degree of emotion yeah. rather than Hudson. Just so cheesy, you know? Worst like, thing is, out of the three of them, he's the bloody best one there. Well, I, I think Tony Schiavone is okay on this show. Yeah. But, but does his best with this horrific bullshit he's got to deal with. Yeah, but you know, Mad- Madden very much took this going, this is shit, right? I'll work with that. <laughs> I didn't like Madden, to be honest, the bit Whereas, I saw him. But... Tony Schiavone's basically sitting there going... Oh, where's Dusty? <laughs> There's like four or five moments in the show where Shay Shavoni's just like, I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea what's going <laughs> yeah. on. He's just so honest about it on commentary. It's pretty funny. So our second star of the trilogy arrives. Hulk Hogan is here, everybody. He's American made. In a white t-shirt and black <laughs> bandana. So he's still Hollywood Hogan, but we know he's trying to be face at this point. Oh, I love this guy. Oh, so, wait, hang on. Also, you know, pro Hogan, obviously, white wife beater, dickhead. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we cut backstage to Hogan chatting with Sting in the back. Sting goes, it's Bischoff. He's on ya. And Sting goes, I'm not ribbing ya. And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. We're already with the lingo and stuff. Breaking the fourth wall. Oh, it's so stumped. So self high five. Or if you're watching the WWE Network, dum 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 bullshit generic music. So we get Kimberly out first, followed by DDP. No pyro for the bang. And you're like, wait, what's going on? And that Paige's music cuts out halfway down the ramp it's like the commentators go he killed his music they killed his music and the idea is that the guys in control don't want to put the, the the old boys over or whatever so they cut ddp's music and it's quite a reasonable idea oh, yeah. if they fucking stuck with it throughout the show <laughs> and you're like it's, it's literally this and that's it this is the only time they do it so same treatment for lex who actually apparently forgot to bring his ring gear because he's walking out in his workout like tracksuit thing uh, lex still has his dramatic lighting but no pyro or music or anything it's just they, they forgot to cut the lighting apparently uh, lex poses weirdly the house lies has come up and you're just like oh fucking okay carry on i like the fact that as a wrestler even if it's in your character well hang on i haven't posed yet i can't possibly wrestle <laughs> and like mark madden on commentary going he's he's thrown he's thrown completely he didn't get his chance to pose do you get a feeling like lex is one of those guys that you could tell him to do absolutely anything no matter how dumb or stupid it was and he would just go out there and do it i think so yeah i really think he's just the most gullible human being alive at this well, time. well yeah at this time yeah i think because obviously through various podcasts various sort of news sites it sounds like lex luger's turned his life around and everyone thinks he's just a really stand up nice human being yeah he's had some seriously fucked up moments in his life yeah but i mean yeah the lex like... express <laughs> oh hang on sorry you're talking about personal life i'm talking about serious shit you know what oh, i mean man we could do a whole fucking month on the lex express like retrospective lex luger sort of like yeah power slamming yoke on the uss intrepid but as you said he's here in his workout gear not giving a shit yeah for sure so ddp diamond dallas page versus lex luger is our first match of the night are they good over it's a qualifying match they, they kind of do well, Not really, very briefly, in this case of, and the whoever wins this match will face the winner of another match who goes on to fight Jarrett for the belt. So this is one of my biggest problems with this show in that they're very concentrated on all the bullshit backstage stuff and not this little tournament they've set up. I looked at the brackets of this tournament. They make fuck all sense to me. Like there's only there's two matches which are a quarterfinal and a semifinal. But it's, it's like the person who is stripped of the belt has to fight the winner of this match who then goes on to like the final who the fuck is this person that gets to fight these people do you know what i'm saying like oh, it's, it's, it's the hardest thing to explain i'm not even going to bother trying again but like it, it, it just the whole thing makes no sense they barely put over the fact it's a tournament for the straps at all yeah so um signs opposite the hard cam harris bros lick jarrett's nutsack 
Mandy sucks and I'm on TV, you're not. And you're like, oh, 2000 was a classy time to be a pro wrestling fan for WCW. I wonder if they're going to bring one of those signs for Mandy Rose now at WWE. <laughs> Can you imagine some cunt sitting there was like, Jeff's gay in the front row on Raw nowadays. Darren Young's go- Oh, he is. <laughs> All right. So um, the opening spots are really, really weird. It ends up with Lex bent over the... T- <laughs> can't get through this ends up with legs bent over the ropes selling and then mule kicks ddp in the nuts again because russo already has one thing he can ever do in a pro wrestling match which is either weapon shot or nut shot you know slap nuts (laughs) the ref is standing right there but completely misses the nut shot yell uh let's just talk about your lexus selling it's so good. It's so fucking hilarious. Yow! Ooh! Yarg! Like every time he's punched or like kicked or anything, he does this like yarg noise. It's fucking hilarious. Mini Dino. Loved I it. I love it so much. Uh, I could literally listen to like compilations of Lex selling all afternoon. <laughs> like, it's the funniest fucking shit. It's like there's no subtlety or no convince. It doesn't convince you in any way that he's in pain. However, it's a complete change from when he didn't sell at all during WWE. Oh, there is that too, yeah. Silent rage. Like, <laughs> the way I started thinking of it, it was like, you know if you had like primary school kids in like a mock fight in like a play or something, they'd be like, yeah! <laughs> it's that level of selling. Batman, kapow, zap, pop, yeah. boof. You may as well have the graphics yeah. like popping up on the screen every time Someone has to, to make him. that. Someone has to make that. That would be fucking great. So the mats at ringside have little flames in the corner that I know. It's like, oh, it's a nice little detail. Sponsored you know? by Harlem Heat. Yeah, maybe, man. Um, but it's like, it's just so generic. Like late 90s, 2000, but flames and everything. Be or fine. in fairness, everything I created my ring gear on all the WWE and SmackDown and NWO games back in the day. You Absolutely. would always have flamed tights. For sure, man. Uh, the match highlights the problem with the storyline, with storylines in general. Lex is a heel. DDP is a face. They're both part of the same group stable versus the new blood. None of it makes sense. New blood? It's so weird. Music plays. It's Buff Daddy. Uh, with Pyro and everything and his entrance for an interference spot in a match. You're like, okay, yeah. Okay, so DDP uses the distraction and low blows Lex because it's got Russo written Russo. all over it. Uh, two in the first match. Let's just get this over. Uh, Buff miss. Uh, sorry. Buff messes with Liz and Kimberly at ringside. Player. Le- Lex is distracted, but not enough to actually go out and help Liz. <laughs> he just stays in the ring going, oh, blah, 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 blah. Diamond cutter. One, two, three. Who gives a fuck? This is not wrestling show. This is a bullshit backstage. Let's talk about nonsense show. American males. American, American males. males. <laughs> so uh, DDP apparently moving on in a tournament, which is what an opening round match of. Just what a mess. The whole thing's just weird, overbooked bullshit. Yeah, I mean, this could have main evented any WCW pay-per-view. Oh, it could have, yeah. <laughs> WCW, for sure, yeah. Um, anything else you want to... Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, obviously we see the uh, some of the career arc and it finishes up in um, in our slamboree final of this trilogy. DDP was really unfortunate he got injured in WWE. And it was really unfortunate that they mm. basically, basically did this. You know what's really over in WCW? Don't do that. Yeah. First of all, we're going to have you be a pervert and go after Undertaker's wife. Anything that's not Vince's idea, like he just doesn't like, you know, like it's pretty obvious, especially yeah. when all these WCW guys came in and they just changed their game. It's completely in game, these shitty storylines. It's just burials. That's all it is. Yeah, I think the I only know. real WC guys who, WCW guys <sighs> who got over, um, eventually Benoit. Yep. Guerrero, but he'd already gone before the end. If we're yep. talking like full buyout, I'd say. Booker T. Guys where they could prove that they were better than WCW. And Shane Helms. 
Yeah, for sure. Jericho too. Well, Jericho was already there. I think from the closure. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I see what you're saying. And then even with Rey Mysterio, to start with, it took the major going, this guy? Yeah. West Coast pop? Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, Ray wasn't in a great spot in his life at that time. Pretty badly banged up and stuff as well. Yeah, Just maskless. Back from a few injuries. Yeah, weird time, wasn't it? So um, we cut to Hulk Hogan walking around backstage going, you're Eric, but he can't find anyone. So he's looking into doors and he goes, oh, there's no one in there. He walks along, goes to the next door. Oh, there's no one in there. Keeps walking along. What I really hope is they didn't bother telling people in the building that Hogan was going around. They actually got nothing to do with wrestling. At some point, they opened the door. Hey, Eric. Yeah? <laughs> there's, the there's door. one moment in one of these promos where Hogan opens the door, looks in and goes, ooh. <laughs> does it, like yeah. playing in women's locker room or something you know Bubba the love sponge his wife's in there it's oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay he's a racist we can shit on him it's fine so Kurt Henning uh, has turned up late and bumps into Russo no one turns up for the show on time apparently uh, well, no asked... one does in real life so. <laughs> exactly. as well. he asks Russo what's going on Russo books Henning versus Jarrett because yeah so <laughs> cut to hogan still looking for bischoff backstage because we have to show that twice of course just to really ram it down your throat to make sure well, hogan is very slow oh that's a fair point back to ringside here comes tank habit to rescue the show <laughs> blue shell suit shorts pco pco <laughs> he's ready for the brawl for all here we go so uh tank cuts a promo who the fuck gave this man a microphone uh, he says i'm not some candy ass wrestler and i'm like get the fuck off the wrestling show then <laughs> He says he's going to beat the holy hell out of innocent people until Bill Goldberg will face him. Tank then knocks the headset off Madden at ringside, strips his shirt off, and stiffs him about a little bit because he doesn't know how to work. Uh, security rush down, and you expect them, you expect Tank Abbott to throw off security, continue beating down, but he kind of goes, oh, security's here, sorry. <laughs> he kind of walks out the ring, and you're like, for fuck's sake, guys. I've got to make sure I make payments for my 401k this month. <laughs> what are your opinion to Tank Abbott? Like... I mean, I loved him when he budded up and became a fan of three count. Yeah? Well, that was funny, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, great in MMA. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he was never good in anything. He's up there with Frank Trigg. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, their names from the past where people went, these guys could be like cross-sport heroes, although Frank Trigg was tough. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. Tank Abbott was... But, I mean, in fairness, Tank Abbott was once in an episode of Friends... Uh, he was, yeah. Has it been up John Favreau? Up. It was. Look at you. I was trying to think of his name. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's amazing that, and that's when Courtney Cox is like, David, I met this guy who's in WCW. <laughs> you should. <laughs> Do you know that's where the link came from, or are you just assuming just it taking like, the piss? Yeah, good stuff. So we you know, I'm, Jer- I work in the wrestling business. I go on this. Oh, that's definitely true. <laughs> <laughs> Why let the truth get in the way of a good story, you know? Exactly. So cut to Jarrett and Russo in a corridor in the back because we need more backstage segments, obviously. Uh, for a man that allegedly doesn't want to be on camera, Russo has surely booked him to himself a lot of segments here. Um, they talk, Russo shits on JJ Dillon, you know, because he can and he's a massive douchebag. Uh, I bet Russo loves fish sticks, is the one thing I've written here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so guess the t shirt, which we can put on the Amazon store, Russo loves fish sticks. <laughs> Why not? So guess what, everybody? We cut to another backstage talking segment. Uh, Kidman, our star of the show, has changed. Uh, he has. He's putting. He's um, putting on his shirt and walking out of the room with Tori. And I'm like, you lucky son of a bitch, <laughs> fooling around backstage. Oh, Billy Kidman, don't go out there. <laughs> no, Tori, I must go out there. <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't do that. He did that. Just remember, I'm just saying. <laughs> Give the man a microphone. Wait till we get to the promo. 
Ah, fucking hell. So Kidman has uh, something to take care of in the ring, and Tori's like, oh no, and just walks away from her. Don't leave her backstage by herself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you would. So then, guess what? We cut to another shot backstage of Hogan walking around looking for Bischoff. We get a red rooster sighting. I'm just going to say that. So, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they cut to an ad break and we come back to guess what another segment of hogan just walking around aimlessly backstage it's money brother it's like this is the note I've here, which i'm really proud of um uh wait where is it uh when does a wrestling show with some backstage segments become a backstage show with some wrestling segments <laughs> Smackdown know your role computer game PS2 <laughs> that's what this is this yeah. is just backstage like there's only I think a total of maybe 20 minutes that's actually in the arena oh, yeah. like, imagine you paid a ticket for this bullshit and you're just watching a screen for like two fucking hours you get buff daddy's pub uh, pyro <laughs> oh for fuck's sake um, so Hogan is still knocking on doors he knocks on this extra door and just stops and stands there waits a minute and like why isn't he walking I was like oh because Bischoff's in that one <laughs> it's like he knows what's happening so Bischoff walks out uh, and comes and dresses Hollywood as he calls him they chat shit but no one gets banged and I'm like what's going on <laughs> I mean all you were away from was Bischoff going hey man how's that energy drink <laughs> George's Grill's doing alright so they go into Bischoff's kind of room office whatever and Bischoff has the greatest sell here he does the comedy like three studios double take so he goes to close the door and goes <laughs> and then closes the door and you're like the whole time he doesn't spot the giant camera crew standing right in front of them <laughs> like this is fucking excellent especially when I mean wrestlers actually i think are quite stupid when it comes to camera crews like gtv was a prime example i know that was i mean that was the most legit one because they were secret cameras they never paid that off i wish they had but shit went wrong you know do you know did you ever hear rumors of what it was supposed to be i heard all sorts of stuff i heard it was meant to be like al snow val venus i heard a bunch of like mid carders were meant to be involved in Mm. it or something go on no idea i think it was meant to maybe be ddp at some point that whole gimmick as well yeah but gtv was well before this this was around choppy choppy pp time Oh, it was, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of other stuff. It's been a long time, you know. Um, 20 odd years. Yeah. Fucking hell, I'm old. Anyway, so <laughs> they cut back to the arena. Thankfully, a kidman just walks out, still gets pyro. <laughs> just like, fucking hell, okay. I love the fact that he's changed now into this slightly... He's gone, left his suit trousers on, but he's now gone black semi-see-through shirt and Ooh, yeah. backwards baseball cap. Again, a great look for a man with a ponytail. Classy, you know. Uh, mine's backwards because podcasting preferences. <laughs> My hair looks <laughs> fucking terrible. But, you know, I try not to do this in public too much, especially when I'm plus 30 <laughs> at this point. But, like, it's <laughs> what it is. So, um, another man that really should not ever be given a microphone. He's been used and abused and told to keep his mouth shut, but tonight is his night. Because now Tori's not there so he can speak. <laughs> He calls out Hulk Hogan, says he has two things Hogan doesn't, heart and talent. I thought he was going to say hair and abs, but like, you know. Yeah. Tory Wilson. <laughs> yeah, I've got hair and Tory Wilson. Fuck off, I'm sorted for life. She doesn't like no skullet, brother. That's uh, fucking great. So he rips on Hogan's hot dog tan, and I'm like, yes, dude. <laughs> he does, uh, he drops a Russo line of a pile of shit like you on the bottom of my shoe or whatever. No, that's uh, Douglas's line. But yeah. he still calls Hogan a pile of shit like you. Yeah, because it, it was like, you say I can't draw draw on a flea market or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But like the thing, as soon as he says this shit line or whatever on like a kid's TV show, essentially, they immediately cut to a kid in the audience who's like, can't be over 10 years old. Yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, that's kind of depressing, man. Like, we swear we put parental guidance on this sort of shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> oh, jeez. But 
I'm not running a kids' TV show, which they are. Yeah, I mean, again, doing commentary for, for doing commentary for SCPW. Even then, in the ring, like you're doing shows. Can you in the imagine afternoon. me on like OW being like, "All right, you fucking cunts, how you doing? Let's get into this." All right, Achilles Ben, you buff son of a bitch. It's <laughs> madness, you know. It really is. So um, he says he's got balls as big as your ball spot, and Hogan is pissed. And Hogan comes out, and I'm like, "What the fuck is this music?" Ah, but that you didn't go to again. You know, you speak about like Bischoff and his little like, "Ooh, double yeah. take at the door." Hogan walking by, his case of, "What what?" Was Billy Kidman? Is oh, he, he double takes the monitor. It's well funny. Yeah. <laughs> he stops at the monitor and turns it up like a real <laughs> dramatic scene. You're like, ah, oh, because they've got the volume up on the monitors backstage. Especially you know? like Kidman shit, and he's like, oh, I really want to know what <sighs> Billy's got to say today. I wonder if he's telling me of stories of it. Oh, he's being nasty about my my skullet. <laughs> I shall march my way out there in my. Classics, classics. There's this brilliant fuck up line where Hogan comes out and the first thing he says in the ring is, Who the hell do you think you are, Kidman? And I'm like, uh, You just said who he was in the line. So uh, he says, You're not in my league. You're so pee whipped with that girl. And Kidman jumps him and we're off. The feud has begun, guys. Oh, get your licks in, Kidman. Nothing like the overbearing bully ba- heel, yeah. or be- deems to be the baddie, beating up the little. Oh, hang on, wait. No. <laughs> doesn't work. Not in the slightest. Like little flippy heel guy. Like, let's face it, he's like a pretty boy, you know what I mean, in this time period. Only when Tori Wilson's there. Yeah, but that's how he comes across, at least, you yeah. know what I mean? No um, little boy wrestlers should wrestle in jean shorts and a wife beater either. Against, like... Oh, oh yeah. Just skip over it. So, who uh, can guess the better of Kidman in their little scrap? Uh, Bish comes down to ringside with a steel chair in hand. Oh, what's going to happen here? Bischoff kind of teases that he'll hit Hogan. Commentary like, it was a work all along. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, with the lingo again. Like, just call it like it's a real thing, please. Cut to three months on OWE and you're like, oh, it's a work, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it seems like he's waiting for Hogan to pick up Kidman to do the shot. But Hogan turns and Bischoff delivers a pretty dodgy looking unprotected tap to the head you know like I think Bischoff does an alright job of like swiveling the to sell the end right, yeah. but really it's, it's a shit looking chair shot to start a feud like this it's just kind of the epitome of I think you know I think what you're trying to say here this is the perfect start of this fantastic <laughs> feud this sets the tone for this whole thing Hogan immediately blades Kidman <laughs> covers Hogan Bischoff counts the one two three and they're like that wasn't even a fucking sanctified match can he do that Joey <laughs> yes so Flair do you, go on do you want to talk about this or I mean, <laughs> the, the the match one of the classic. It's not a match. It's not a sanctified match. It would be match two. Oh yeah, yeah. The yeah of the of the, tr- the trilogy matches. You know, match one. Like even on the podcast with Bish, he's like, oh yeah, but Hogan put off Billy Kidman for God's sake. Put over Billy Kidman for God's sake. I'm like, no, he didn't. He never put over Kidman properly. No, because this is the time where Hogan's getting a lot of slack for not inputting over the younger guys. And clear as day, I saw a corporate official. Counter three count in my mind. <laughs> Billy Kidman is one and zero against the American man. <laughs> Mate, if there's no bell, it doesn't count as a match. So anyway, so Flair arrives a stretch white limo. Um, does no one turn up for time in WCW? Like he's like twenty minutes late already to the show. In fairness, he was styling and profiling. Flair is pretty funny in this show. Also, he's probably the sort of per- person if you wanted when you're younger to have a party, but when your mates to get there first. But this person had to come. So yeah, like, I'll send the invites for three, but I'll send one to Ric Flair for four. 
there's a really good uh, Beastie Boys documentary where they talk about that first tour in the UK, like with um, LL Cool J and stuff. And they talk about start. They started as the drunk guys at the party. And they ended up as the homeless drunk dudes in the corner that you wanted to get <laughs> out of your flat pretty quickly. You know, um, let's get to that point. You know, so sorry, Charlotte's dad. Cut to another backstage pro uh, segment of Hogan angry pushing things over backstage the acting is on point <laughs> i love the fact he pushes over that really heavy flight case that is designed to be dropped and protect the contents absolutely man he is so angry the devastation he's doing backstage i can't keep it up so uh cut to flair with terry taylor backstage watching a monitor and gorilla i think the idea here was to have flair see what russo said about him earlier but they're showing the wrong footage they're showing the bit where bischoff's talking to ddb they're like fuck it just play his music anyway <laughs> and flair comes out to ringside Whoa. so flair walks out uh, his music continues to play not cut off like they were doing earlier with the older boys you like so you've dropped that gimmick literally within half an hour good job russo um there's a sign in the crowd that says flair make me a sandwich bitch <laughs> like so classy uh flair shouts at russo staring right down the barrel of the camera the whole time and i'm like yeah there's a man that gets it why do people more people do this nowadays cut their promos in the ring staring down the hard cam they always look at the audience trying to have that interaction but again mm. i've always been told i've always been told hard cam yeah because you're selling your audience at home i don't care if there's someone behind me i'm front and center like there's an invisible x in the center of that ring or just a little bit further forward from the center of the ring looking straight into that hard cam yeah that's where you deliver so you can tell that's one thing that russo has really taken from vince and that everyone who cuts a promo in the ring tonight has a moment where they're looking down the hard cam. Like yep. Kidman's kind of doing this as he's doing it, but he is looking at Kidman's the hard cam. Kidman's waiting for the running because he's so in, you know, it's so ineffectual. Exactly, you know. Hang on, but... I'm on the opening segment. What is this? <laughs> he's like, second hour? I don't know there was a second hour. <laughs> but uh, Flair does such a cool little job of doing this promo in this horrible situation. And he does lots of sports references, cuts himself off from swearing halfway through and goes, oh, I almost swore. <laughs> like, I love you, Flair. You're so funny. Uh, out comes Scotty Steiner. And you're like, oh, here we go. Johnny both- Dropfoot. <laughs> <laughs> both Flair and Steiner have mentioned, their du- mentioned the WF in their promos. You're like, probably not the smartest idea but whatever um well that's the time you knew it was changing when you're number yeah. one you don't mention your competition of course yeah i am um russo did it earlier in the night a couple of times yeah. off, so that's at least the third probably the fourth mention same, of same already had double j yeah exactly so steiner rips on flair by saying bastard fat ass and shit twice and you're like oh i love you uh he i says, love the fact that you, you you have issue with russo but as soon as scotty steiner does Scott like, steiner he can do whatever he wants i'll still find it funny like as a human being he seems like an utter piece of shit especially in his earlier career uh, he seems pretty cool nowadays most people tell funny stories about him just doing silly shit but you see this like basically he's raping people backstage with inanimate objects and stuff and you're like yeah you're a fucking horrible human being wait that's wrong <laughs> 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 oh, I was going to say something there, but let's just carry on. <laughs> so uh, Steiner says, see if you can guess who I am now. Puts in joke shop teeth into his bed and starts to mock Flair by like, starting and profile and jackass and all this sort of stuff. Oh, Tank funny. <laughs> <laughs> Shane Douglas jumps Flair from behind and instantly security there to stop it. You're like, ah, oh, within seconds. But- well, uh, they should have been hard for the Hall of Fame. Uh, for sure yeah fucking a but flair sells it like he's been knocked out completely you know like um it's 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 an oversell let's be honest about it but on the plus point at least there's a story between these two from the past that they're going to try and pay off yeah yeah i love it how steiner is still talking as they cut backstage as well he's like fuck it i'm just gonna keep going (laughs) i've got got a mic maximize my minutes (laughs) 
So we cut to another backstage segment of Kevin Nash arriving, and he's late because no one turns up on time for WCW. Uh, cut back from an advert break, and Bret Hart is sitting in the audience, but I'm not sure Bret Hart is sitting in the audience because the camera work is so fucking bad. It looks pitch black almost. You've got this kind of silhouette of a man, and you're like, is that oh, stink. Bret? <laughs> like, it could be anyone. But then uh, they, they brighten up the cameras, and they show Bret Hart sitting in the audience. And apparently it's been, uh, what is it, five months? Yeah. Since he's been off TV, uh, yeah, they put over on commentary, he's been gone for the better part of five months, and uh, he doesn't exactly look happy to be here, let's be honest. <laughs> well, exactly, because at this stage, you're like, oh, I should have just taken the lower deal and the pay cut in WWE and just stayed there. Man, what a mess Bret Hart's career is up until this point, you know, from the, the screw job until this moment. Uh, you've just got to feel sorry for the dude. I know a lot of it's his own making. He should have dropped the belt. Like, I am agree with a lot of people when they say that yeah, sort of stuff. But... I, but- the fact of the matter is that he went to WCW, they killed any form of momentum he had to be a top guy, to be a top draw. Yeah. And I was thinking about this the other day, again, thinking about sort of Bret Hart, how people always wax lyrical about Savage, they wax lyrical about Flair, even though, you know, some less uh, intelligent wrestling fans go on about Warrior and yeah. Hogan and Million Dollar Man and Jake Roberts. People always say, oh, Bret was a good technical wrestler. He's more than that. Yeah, exactly. I don't think in modern time, because of some of the shenanigans and also WrestleMania 23 match against Vince McMahon, Bret Hart gets the credit he deserves. Just watch Piper, Bret. Yeah. Anything like that. I mean, in fairness, watch Bret Austin, WrestleMania 13. Bret Bulldog, Bret Owen, like any of those matches, you know, like the SummerSlams, WrestleMania, the big ones. He knows exactly what to do when it needs to be done. Yeah. And he may not be the most charismatic person ever backstage in terms of like an Austin or a Rock or something and just being able to pop a crowd instantly. But he gets the subtlety of professional wrestling that people like Vince Russo do not get. It's amazing when you, just to finish off on Bret Hart, when you look through some of your favorite sort of sleeper earlier Mania matches, Yeah, Bret Owen, very, very good. Bret Austin, very, very good. The way I was thinking about describing this because um, uh, this sums up the show in terms as well and compared the Raw to Nitro at this point, in that a burger from McDonald's is not the same as a Gordon Ramsay burger you would get in a five-star restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, the ones the, I eat. <laughs> yeah, fucking hey, we all do. Don't worry, I'm a foodie, so it's all good. But like uh, like middle-class, fuck you. But like, you know, <laughs> just on food, we're all good. But like, you know what I mean? They're the same thing. Yeah. They have the same shit in them, essentially. They're both cow. They both have bread. They both have lettuce, whatever it is, you know. But they're completely different things. And it's the context and the execution and everything else that makes them so different. You know? I wish you hadn't mentioned burgers. I'm really hungry now. I'm feeling it a little <laughs> bit. But like, don't worry. It's okay. No, it's not. I'm going to get hangry <laughs> during the pod. At this point, Tony Schiavone sums up exactly how I feel about this show with this one line. <laughs> We have had literally a train wreck every segment here. <laughs> I like, thank you, Tony Schiavone. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um, they replay the Douglas Flair bit. Um, so they found their the replay button. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. On the replays, they had these shitty lines across the screen. Yeah. Why? Because they can. It's like... This was a problem back in the day when you had to do replays and stuff because you had the VT tapes and they would look a bit shitter, right? Why 
do this now in 2000 when you've got high quality VT replays and stuff like it's fucking dumb got a replay button we'll walk should we also put this little screen over the top of it Ooh, very nice the shit looking filter I don't know what we'll do we'll make the replay look shitter than the original thing like it's so fucking dumb but you know let's let's put it out there even 20 years on talking about it Oh, fuck off <laughs> so <laughs> and of course they have to show flair being angry backstage too like they did with hogan pushing over flight cases blading like they're already repeating ideas russo has run out of ideas within the first hour of this fucking show well, we're not got, even in the first hour yet he's got three hour nitro <laughs> to book for he used to book so two for dumb. more <laughs> who thought this fucking idiot would fix this show but again so linking back to the f- the the first point in the pod yeah Oh, look, Nitro went to three hours. The quality became shit. What happened when Raw went three hours? I mean, it was already pretty bad anyway, but... Yeah. Same for Nitro. It was This is terrible. As soon as Nitro went to three hours, it was... Anything yeah. is three hours, you, you can't do it. You fucked it. Yeah, for sure. Like Even on this two-hour Nitro, like, I'm enjoying it because it's so bad and it's yeah. funny. Like There's some shows we've watched which have just been tedious and really difficult to do. I was kind of laughing throughout this yeah, whole I thing about this. how bad it was. Because you knew exactly every trope that we was going to pull out the bag. <laughs> it's so terrible. This was funny. CMLL was not funny. <laughs> no, that was difficult, yeah. So Mean Gene backstage with Shane Douglas and I'm like, finally, a set and a man who can do interviews. Let's go. And Shane Douglas talks absolute fucking bollocks about absolutely nothing and it's just terrible. Like, Mean Gene does a great job here of, like, selling and putting this over and Shane Douglas just shots, shouts incoherent bullshit about Flair. Um, yeah, it, it's just crap. This highlights my smallish pet peeve with some internet wrestling fans yeah should let the talent just say what they want no not if they're Shane Douglas in WCW well this is the thing some talent can be creative and cut a promo and get things over some talent need bullet points to go along the way they should not no one should be reading scripted promos but to get your storyline over (laughs) unless you're like Kalisto or something (laughs) you do need scripts because like that yep (laughs) <laughs> like you know like he's just the worst me and Lindsay and Grand Metallic <laughs> cool, cool. but you know it's Shane Douglas there full creative control could say what he wanted did nothing to get that storyline over that was terrible their history sh- that should have been the this is blood feud this is everything I was I threw down the NWA but I've got this. the Ric Flair's the Harley race they can all kick my kiss my ass kick <laughs> <laughs> yes more accurate to be fair but yeah go on but yeah so Internet wrestling fans, oh, they don't need a creative team. They don't need writers writing scripted promos. Ideally, it's not a TV show. (laughs) It's it's such an original idea, but you know what wrestling needs is bookers. Now, not to jump on the bandwagon, because we've discussed this before. Yeah. Everyone is raving about how good this series of Game of Thrones is, the final series. It's incredible, yeah. And people, I've seen some people say, why don't WWE hire the writing team from Game of Thrones to write things? Completely different. Writing weekly soap opera style episodic television is completely different to be able to go and write your TV series, have nine months to think about your ideas. Oh, that didn't work. Let's tweak this. Yeah, Yeah, It's live TV and you've got to move on. You gotta remember, Game of Thrones has started in like, I think the mid 90s. Mm. So they've had 25, 30 almost years to get to this point. Yeah. It's like, that's wrestling such a unique thing. It's live action theater where they're doing fight sequences, they're choreographing themselves on the fly. Like, just the art form itself yeah. is so dramatically underappreciated by people that aren't fans or whatever. And yeah. that you then realize you have to sell what, 15, 16 hours worth of story every week? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. If you think like, so if you watch soap operas or episodic television, you've got maybe 45 minutes if you've got adverts or an hour if you're commercial free. Mm. And you maybe do 
either one episode a week or you do if you're you've got a full big writing team with a big cast but you've got then time to let things breathe yeah yeah doing anything for three hours can you imagine having to write down and say okay right we've got to do a you and i have got to do a three-hour tv show and we've got to start to write a script now we know a little bit about it but we're not massive fans so let's say you and i've got to write a tv show about i know dating the amount of stuff that would be like just get those two people and see what happens you know because yeah. we wouldn't have time to do it exactly know? and i think Shane Douglas is a prime example of why you need to have some degree of creativity yeah. and how, again, another reason why WCW folded. Too many people had creative control. With all this in mind, we are 54 minutes into this show of a one-hour, 43-minute show. So just about halfway, we have had one match. Main event caliber match. Fuck you, Vince Russo. <laughs> like, really? We had the Hogan-Kidman segment that was... You could almost call it a match if you're a complete prick. <laughs> like, complete prick right here. 1-0 to Kidman. <laughs> but like, what are they doing? It's uh, a wrestling show. It's not a wrestling show, is it? It's not. It's just that's what it's become. It's become bullshitty, not even interesting soap opera stuff. The soap opera stuff we don't care about. Because this thing, even when you had... I mean, don't get me wrong. Nitro did this a lot. Even yeah. when they had the NWO. But... You start with the cruisers, so you've got a, you've got a hot start. Then you've got your promo to set up the rest of the show. Then you've got another match. Then another couple of segments of the match. So at least, I mean, I know it sounds yeah. silly, but then you've got three matches in your first hour, mm-hmm. building to your 20-minute main event. This is bullshit. There's been no matches. I know they're doing the big reset. It's a big change, all that sort of stuff. But the thing is, I've watched a few other Nitros in this period. It doesn't get any better. <laughs> this is the pinnacle of the new Nitro. So we got next up, to save the show, we've got Sting versus Sid. And you're like, that should be a main event match in any wrestling show. It's Sting, for fuck's sake, you know? The WCW Hogan, the top guy. Like, no matter what you do with the rest of the card or whatever show you have, if you have Sting on it, there's an element of class to it, yep. you know? And Sid, who's a fucking brilliant heel, if a bit comical at times. I'm going to do that again. No, we're live. I'm going to do it again. We're live. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Gene Oakland. Just going to quickly fix my mic stand. That'll do. I'll stop touching it. That's what she said. Exactly. So Sting is just really fucking cool. In all this mess, he's a beacon of calm and reeks of the top guy of the industry. Yeah. No matter how much Hulk Hogan tries to replace him in this company, it just never worked. Quick sidebar, yeah. as we were talking about Sting and trying to make something useful out of this show. Mm-hmm. Original NWO, there was talk of turning Sting heel to be the third guy. Yeah, if Hogan didn't turn up, yeah. you know. Yeah. Do you think the NWO would have been as successful had Sting been the third guy? Um, not as successful because Hogan was such a name. He was the top guy in the other company and all that sort of stuff. But it could have worked. I always think it would have been interesting. And I think it would have had more longevity as the just those three guys. Yeah, there you wouldn't know? have been loads of people jumping on the bandwagon because the NWO would have become a a faction for WWE rather than the cool thing people want to be part of. Yeah, and the problem with doing it that way is that if Hogan then comes into the company as a face and buries them all, which he would have done because he had that creative control, maybe it wouldn't last, you know? That's the real problem there. But I think it had to be Hogan. All the time it had to be Hogan. Yeah. So the match starts here with Sid deciding to punch Sting in the stomach in the corner, not the face because, you know, we're working. Um, Sting goes... Don't want to crack the paintwork. (laughs) You might have to work again tonight. Doesn't want to have to do makeup twice. Sting goes to throw Sid into the railing. Sid bumps onto a chair instead at ringside and it's like, oh, it's a bit awkward. Uh, Sid uh, to a woman at ringside goes, shut your mouth, you pig. (laughs) Like, I love Sid. It's really funny. But that's classic heel. There's nothing... It's yeah. nothing offensive about that, you pig. That's no, fine. for sure. It's perfect. Yeah. It's good. It's, he knows what's going on. He's not going to be like, you yeah. fucking dirty prick or whatever. You know? I always like, there's a, a, some, I can't remember if it was, um, it might have even been Bischoff 
mm. um, about being a, an objective heel and what you say to the fans. Yeah. Because obviously, if you go down to a fan, you're like, you fat piece of shit. It's like, you know you're fat. You can tell that the, the fan is fat. Whereas if you go, you ugly piece of shit, that's all objective. It's like, I'm not ugly. I'm really good looking. What's with this dickhead? <laughs> and that's how you don't get, that's how you get the heel reaction in there. So obviously, Sid going, you pig. Yeah. He's like, I'm not pig. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, really nicely done. So Sid does a Cobra Clutch Slam. And two fans at ringside do a stunner spot. <laughs> <It's like> in <laughs> yeah, the audience. Yeah. Um, he's throwing elbows straight into the head. He looks like he's in horrific pain. Not single steer, just the two fans in the ringside. <laughs> I was watching them in tape, so that was funny. Uh, double clothesline spot by Stinger and Splitter. Love a double down. They're both down. Uh, the goddamn wall comes down to, does the ta- um, with a table on his head, like some sort of African queen or something, you know? <laughs> I was like, Akeem was busy. <laughs> uh, Sting is pinning Sid. Sid kicks out. Sting gently falls onto Nick Patrick, who sells it like death, our referee in this match. Um, what a tash on Nick Patrick, by the oh, way. What, oh, what a lovely boy. Robert Rude, eat your heart out. <laughs> so, powerbomb by Sid, or the Millennium Bomb, he calls it at this time. Because he's the, the Millennium, millennium Man. man. Yep. Millennium Man. Millennium As The wall just stands in the ring with a chair going, uh, <laughs> which is pretty funny. I remember once with the wall. Because um, you know, like. Let on- me get through this. Oh, on. So, the wall drags Sid to the outside, choke slams, more like a choke gently rest on this table, through a table. Nick Patrick counts to 10 as fast as he possibly can and stings sting wins via count now god damn it russo protecting protecting the talent yeah so stings through to the next round of this bullshit tournament by count over sting like it's literally it's five seconds he counts to ten he goes one two three four five six seven eight. you're out of here we've got commercial break to go to yeah fucking a go on i was gonna say so like the wall now i didn't know much about the wall in the early days obviously when he then turned into the character because it was reese wasn't it originally uh, i was think it reese? was reese and then yeah. turned into the wall part reese of the flock the flock, at some point yeah, yeah. so uh, on teletext really odd reference sometimes if you look at the football news they have to explain what teletext is there's gonna be a whole generation of people listening to this are like what the fuck is he talking about on old analog television yeah. You could get a specific service on your TV box by pressing a button called Teletext on ITV and Channel 4 or CFAX. It was like the shittest internet ever before the internet. Yeah. And you could look at things like football rumours or football results. I'd used to book have holidays. Book holidays, <laughs> Teletext holidays, still a thing. Um, Excellent. And I'd sit there and I'd look at the football news and it'd be like page one, page two. And page three would normally be like adverts for phoning the football hotline to get your news. But sometimes there'd be a wrestling one. Oh, really? And it would have, like, wow. the latest gossip. And I remember there was, like, ones going, like, Undertaker f- looking to climb a big wall. So there was a rumour <laughs> that the wall was going to sign for WWE. And that's how um, I found out that Jericho had signed for WWE prior to the Millennium Countdown. Wow, nice. On Teletext. And also, because my friends weren't aware of this Teletext thing, so I could only go, bet Jericho is going to be the guy for the Millennium <laughs> Countdown. And I was like, oh, he knows everything. I say friends. <laughs> All right, Meltzer, calm down. <laughs> the one guy lives around the corner. But the, the, fe- the, the favourite one I ever saw on it was when they went, WWE mate, a just incredible signing. Oh, I was like, nice. yeah. Obviously, never dialed the number, just use Teletext. <laughs> also, Bamboozle. Yeah. What's Bamboozle? Okay. It was a quiz on Channel 4. On oh, television Channel nice, 4. nice. So, uh, Scott Hudson and Tony Schiavone try to convince us that this show is interesting uh, by saying, coming up next, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. And, like, I don't think anyone does, really. No one's got the run sheet, have they? So, Flair is back in the ring again for the second time this evening. Uh, didn't we just see this promo? <laughs> Flair is calling out Shane Douglas flare heads to the back uh we cut to two different segments of hulk backstage throwing sweets around and <laughs> whatever he's doing just <laughs> angry because he's played he's got all the dried blood all over his face it's not the very nice sight but it's uh 
At least it's consistent. At least it's not yeah. cleared and he blades later. It has like, a sense like of drama to it. Recorded you know? earlier. Yeah, yeah. I wonder whether it was recorded earlier and they just cleared it up and just like, oh, I'll blade it. It'll be fine. I'll go <laughs> in the corner and make sure I get it all out, you know? <laughs> so um, he also abuses Shannon Moore and Shane Helms backstage. I'm like, you big bully piece of shit. <laughs> anyway, um, we get ready to rumble promo. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> We have to do this as a bonus pod soon, don't yes, we? Yes, definitely. I think we have to put uh, one of it out. Put one on record for maybe a show where we can't do because we're both working or something. You <clears> know, right in the next future. Wednesday. Are you not here next Wednesday? No. Oh, okay, fair enough. We've got a show we'll put out next Wednesday though. Might interrupt the trilogy, but yeah, I did think about my poor timing. No, that's fine. Don't worry. I'm on fine. an NHS tax course. Oh. Thanks to my friends at the uh, Institute of Chartered Accountants of England and Wales. Excellent. <laughs> so, uh, big fans of the show. Fuck your shit, because we've got a rough, ready to rumble <laughs> promo, right? It ends with David Arquette giving Jeff Jarrett a guitar shot at the movie premiere. Mm, let's just see where that goes, shall let's we? Plant that seed. Yeah, exactly. So, J E double F, J A double R, E double G. Slap nuts. <laughs> Why is Double J is in full slap nuts gimmick here, as you say? Um, he does the old HBK pyro stuff, and you're like, oh, yeah. for fuck's sake, just ripping straight out of HBK stuff. Russo's booking. I, w- I missed it. I missed the. Um the guitar spooty promo stuff, the pyro yeah. stuff. I keep writing promo because that's why I've written here. Uh, but you know, we had the guitar spooty pyro yeah. stuff. It always used to make me laugh. So I was like, God, he hasn't got it yet, but it's all good. His opponent for this evening is Kurt motherfucking Hennig. And you're like, Jeff Jarrett versus Kurt Hennig? Okay, let's do it. It's one of the worst matches I've ever seen in my life. That's because uh, Kurt Hennig arrived to work late, didn't have time to work through the match. Mate, he is calling this one in if ever I saw it. Jarrett is giving him nothing in the match. It's walk and brawl bullshit. Um, <laughs> so we get to the point where um, Henning's heel music starts to play. And you're like, what? No, he's, he's meant to be face now. Why is the da, 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 da playing? And Jarrett won't give anything, anything, anything in the match at all. Henning looks genuinely fucked off with the whole situation. And let's read that. It's meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sean Stasiak is here, everybody. Uh, they immediately mentioned he was meeting the WWF and are like, oh, for fuck's sake, boys, can we stop dropping that, please? You're just making yourself just look in like case you weren't aware who that um, catering talent was. <laughs> <laughs> so um they do a bit of a will he won't he bullshit with hennig and stuff uh meat does a sloppy as fuck tko looking bullshit thing to hennig like it's horrific he picks him up across his back and he's like i'm trying to hold on stay up here in fairness though what they were doing with stasek to try and get him to be like the new mr perfect at least yeah. they're trying to do something of course they're trying to do it but what well, that's the wrong person to do it with because I certainly didn't do it with Michael McGillicutty <laughs> slash Kurt, Curtis Axel yeah that didn't work uh, he's still signed isn't he yeah, yeah in the B team B yeah, team yeah. B team B team go are they on the TV the TV are they on TV yeah why not okay <laughs> do you not watch it anymore I watched the uh, the Firefly Funhouse <laughs> just the promos on YouTube <laughs> anyway um, that's what that's what I tell my wife when I'm looking at the internet oh no it's just I'm just looking for wrestling just looking for wrestling on Pornhub it's fine <laughs> <laughs> look it's Paige so we get this weird <laughs> we get this weird moment where Meat does his sloppy finish thing that he botches the shit out of. And instead of Jarrett just like pinning him off the interference, Jarrett picks him up. They do an Irish whip swap into the corner, spot into the corner. He does a little move sequence, does the stroke, which is the worst fucking finish ever. Dick puns for the win. And pins Kurt Hennig and one, two, three in this pile of shit match. Qualify match. 
So, so Jarrett progresses. Great. Um, Hogan looks for Bischoff in a skybox full of kids. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? At least Jerry Lawler's not there. Flair walking backstage. Nash on the phone backstage. Because obviously we need like 20 different more backstage segments. It's good we're showcasing all this new blood talent. Yeah, exactly. It's really weird. There's no backstage stuff for all the new blood. It's all the old boys. <laughs> all we've had is Kidman. Yeah. Wow, I hadn't even kind of triggered at that point. It really is. It's just been Kidman. All the matches have been old boys against old boys, really. Yeah. I guess if we count Jer- Jeff Jarrett as New Blood, but he's meant to be heel. Like, uh, I guess New Blood are meant to be heels. Yeah, but then you've also got Henning as well, and that's it. Yeah, Jeff Jarrett's shit, though. Really shit. He was brilliant in the AWA. I, I always yeah, that match. <laughs> we were one match, good, good match he had. To be fair, he had some good stuff in WWF, but like this WCW The run, good housekeeping match with China was brilliant. I like that match, yeah. yeah really it's good. a real fun little kind of um, hardcore thing, you know. But like his time in WCW here is horrific, but they're booking him like he's top dog. Like he's in six or seven segments. There is definitely a, oh, he's my mate. I'm going to push with him. With Russo. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, for fuck's sake, Sting, Sting interview now with Mean Gene backstage. Sting is a great talker, but this whole segment is just completely yeah. unnecessary. They've got this kind of cool pink and lime green lights behind the scaffolding thing. Like, yeah. It looks quite good, but it's a bit old school. If they're trying to go a step further forward, you know, we would have thought it would be a bit more... I don't know, interesting with it's the like set design. It's like they half did their change of set design and got yeah. halfway through and was like, we left the scaffold up, just leave the old lights. Yeah, absolutely, man. Stings Stings basically a Hawaiian gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> so we get the Ric Flair Strauss entrance team, you know, the two, from 2001 oh, Space yeah. Odyssey. Um, uh, Flair still in street clothes, even though he's doing his entrance. And we get our third match of the night, I think, of Ric Flair versus Shane Douglas. Again, this should be a big payoff match considering the history with these two guys and they're just just like fuck it they're in street clothes just have them do a brawl it'll be alright you know what a waste catch as catch can it's like they just do walk and brawl this is Flair and Douglas both of them didn't realise they'd be booked didn't bring their gear yeah. Didn't want to do like the old P. Got to do it in your pants, boys. <laughs> He's literally doing it in his shirt at times. So the the most interesting thing that happens in the match is Flair peeling the shirt off of Douglas and giving him the chops in the corner and things. Like, at this point, I wanted to start skipping ahead because I do they're not going to do anything because these two won't work together. Match three. <laughs> One hour 25 into the show. So uh, walk and brawl back into the ring, which is pretty unique. I've never seen that before. <laughs> you know, they just keep doing it even though they're in the ring. Not running spots at all. In Got, any time way, to fill, Got time to fill, boys. Got time to fill. Get back in the ring here comes vince russo again with a baseball bat this time Sting. you know stings gimmick exactly piece of shit like <laughs> not know your wrestlers and you imagine like you know i know 2003 four like john cena comes out with a sledgehammer <laughs> he's like amazing it's so fucking dumb so russo wax flair for the dq as um douglas is grabbing on flair's leg uh, Flair wins the match via disqualification. Wins and losses don't matter. Uh, apparently so. Because uh, like, if I was Shane Douglas at this stage, like, you fucker. <laughs> you just ruined my match. You've ruined my ranking. <laughs> Russo adds a whole another layer of class by stealing the DX thing and doing the crotch chops to Flair. And you're like, you're not cool, man. You're not cool in any way, shape, or form. Steals Flair's gold watch. Fucking pikey piece of shit ruining wrestling. <laughs> I like the idea of stealing Flair's watch. It's something to play off, at least. You know, like you're that horrible. Yeah. That you'll take his watch, but uh, I'd expect it from the repo man. 
Yeah, but Russo is like just so. Oh man, shit. they should have done that with Repo Man. Why did he not steal someone's watch? Steal someone's gimmick and yeah. watch and all sorts, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Haven't come out as crushed or something. You know? <laughs> like, so, uh, fuck's sake, we need more backstage segments. Nash backstage walking on crutches. They do a Wendy sponsored replay of the Douglas Flair Russo bullshit because we need reminding of that crap. And whoa, don't turn your back on the wolf pack. Do 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 do. The coolest entrance theme ever in professional wrestling I want to say at this point apart from Alistair Black Duke the Dumpster Josie no <laughs> Akeem the African Dream yes <laughs> yeah. so Nash walks out to the ring on crutches and in street clothes he is super super over like the 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 crowd are finishing his lines for him and his like you know his gimmick phrases and such good see Nash still doesn't want to work full time make the fans do it for him <laughs> he says this line what happened to that sweet little wrestling show we were doing every Monday my thoughts precisely <laughs> uh, Nash goes off um and Ash has just got off the phone with Scott Hall. He says, Scott Hall, Scott's straight, Scott's sober, and Scott's in a real bad mood. One of these things is not like the other. Because <laughs> he's probably not sober. Um, Nash does some work, uh, some shoot work stuff with Easy and Russo. And that 70s guy jumps in from behind. Mike Awesome rushes Kevin Nash. Potentially could be really cool. Very, had it been Mike Awesome yeah, and Kevin Nash, two big boys who could work. And if Nash had put him over a little bit, you mm. know. But Mike Awesome's best match ever was a um, one-night stand with Tanaka. Oh, yeah, for sure. They did one in 98. There was almost a replay of that mm. that was really good as well. And uh, They had a match in Japan, him and Tanaka, that was really, really good. So Mike Awesome is the current ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Champion. Championship. Mm. Mike Awesome is the ECW World Heavyweight Champion at this point, and the commentators to WCW cannot stop saying it. They keep putting over ECW and that he's the champion. WCW is now third in the ratings. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Awesome grabs the microphone and says the opportunity was too sweet to pass up. And you're like, oh, you fucked it up already. Great debut. Literally, the moment you jumped in, I'm like, oh, this could have been so good. We know how great Mike Awesome could be. But He's now, a giant, athletic, agile dude, you know? now we'll see you on top of a bus with ICP. Yes, it gets to that. And you're like, oh, it's like the fat dude, the fat girl thriller or whatever they call him, you know? Like, imagine if, not the same gimmick, but in the same booking kind of sense, Mike Awesome Undertaker. Mm. If they'd have took Mike Awesome as a character... Are made in this unstoppable giant that's agile and big and can fly and do these flying clotheslines and tope over the top and stuff. He could have been so special. I mean, to be fair, they had a chance to do that with him in WWE, but again, he was just tarnished with stupid gimmicks from WCW. I think he was um, not sober at that mm. point as well. Like, he's one of those guys that died very young in the pro wrestling industry, yeah. I think through heart failure as well. Um, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it was heart failure. And so um, I can see why they maybe not giving him the opportunities if he's that fucked up backstage. Yeah, you know? but then don't sign him. Yeah, exactly. You know, but that's that's the problem with. Oh, WCW we need people point. for the invasion. They need more people. We need <laughs> people for the invasion. So Steiner's on his contract. Goldberg's on his contract. Lance Storm's available, and so's Mike Awesome and Hugh Morris, the bully. Yeah, Brian Nobbs, Tank Abbott, <laughs> Haku. Not even on the show. They're just there Man. to be names. Who was it? It was um, Lanny Poffo 
was signed to WCW the whole way during this time period was never on TV. <laughs> it's fucking great. I think it was seven years they signed him for. Never got on TV. Sat at home, took a paycheck. And you're like, man, they had no idea what the fuck they were doing. So, Hogan is now not just backstage. He's in his big stretch limo on the phone. For some reason, he's in this limo. No justification or anything why. Brooke, stay away from those boys. <laughs> Nick, stay away from the wheel. And like, oh, oh fucking hell. <laughs> and oh, this is why he's in the limo. A white Hummer rams into the side. Okay, it repeats it. They do the spot. They The commentators put over, the limo is back. And do you remember what it was where the limo was earlier because my only thing that saw like a big white car running over someone was like i did it for the rock yeah <laughs> you know? that that was it the limo's back unless they're about like hogan had limos when he was hollywood i don't know it was the whole thing was just really weird so bischoff and kid also kid- quick very quickly what color was hogan's limo uh black makes a change <laughs> So Bischoff and Kidman get out of the White Hummer. Uh, I did it for the Rock. Blah 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 blah. Um, come back from ad break and uh, Bischoff and Kidman. I think you said Kidman. that too fast. I did it for the for the rock. For, for, for the Rock. <laughs> so Bischoff and Kidman, as we come back from the advert break, taunt Hogan while he's being st- strapped to a stretcher and apparently he's knocked out. Kidman then tags Hogan with the NB with the spray can spray can because they are completely devoid of any new ideas and they're just repeating spots now. Ah, uh, pro wrestling. Do you think this is Bischoff's contribution? Like, oh, I know what works in pro wrestling. Spray painting on people works. We'll do that again. I mean, at least you know. Let's let's try and find a positive. No. <laughs> it's marking him up because it's a case of, you know, you used to do this, now I'm in charge. Yeah, cool, cool. I get it. Yeah, I remember seeing it at the time and thinking, like, oh, it's a nice reference back to the old school, but just just some sort of new idea would be nice. Yeah. Obviously, this then led to, you know, of all the, the tagging and the NB and then everyone having, like, thumb yeah. on the back of their tops. <laughs> <laughs> but we're set up for this trilogy now, you know? This is the big dramatic moment of Hogan in the limo being like rammed into by this evil amazingly talented flippy guy <laughs> billy kidman i tell you what i would love to see someone like i don't know ray mysterio start running a lorry into samoa joe's little <laughs> truck <laughs> yeah fuck you joe <laughs> fuck you <laughs> the logic's outstanding so it's time for your main event of the evening diamond dallas page with kimberly versus the stinger i mean i'm glad we've got i mean I'm a bit wrestled out in this show. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the main event after the reset is DDP, an old boy, against Sting, the traditional top guy in WCW. It's like, are we not going to put any new blood guys over at all in this first episode? Like, Kidman. Apart from Kidman. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, apparently this is the tournament final or something. They barely talked about it. I lost track, but yeah. After Sting makes his entrance for the match, so does Jeff Jarrett. You're like, what the fuck are you doing here again? <laughs> this is his, what, fourth entrance of the night? I oh, think. Yeah. I think it's his fourth. I lost track. But uh, commentary commentators put over that this is not a three-way dance. I'm like, oh, thank God. Um, Tony Schiavone says that the winner of this match will face Jarrett. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Good to know. Some brackets would have been nice so we could understand how, but... Oh, they, in fairness, they got it over at the start of the show. Mate, if mentioning it once at the start of the show is not getting over. This yeah. should be the beginning of every advert break. It should be them going, this tournament tonight to crown the new World Heavyweight uh, Champion. But no, you know? but the thing is, though, they do that in WWE Raw and people shit all over it. We know. We know that Braun Strowman's underused. Yeah. You need yeah, a happy d- medium. Yeah. <laughs> this is not enough. 
<laughs> Definitely not enough. What, what, so, what are you trying to say about once? So if anyone's joined in <laughs> hour three. Who, why, who, what? So Jeff Jarrett on commentary for this match. Uh, DDP goes after goes for the cutter early, but Sting shoves him to the outside. Commentary are completely ignoring what's happening in the ring the Russo way. <laughs> it's like Classic. wrestling doesn't matter. Just talk. That's what people want. They don't want to see wrestling. Oh, Tiger Mask's in the crowd. <laughs> Yeah. What's your OWE or nothing else on TV? Uh, so three or four minutes late, um, they have finally talked about how DDP just blocked the Scorpion Deathlock. Like, literally, it happens in the ring, and it takes about four minutes for them to actually talk about it. Um, Tape delay. <laughs> it is Hudson that brought it up, actually. So give him some sort of due here. He's actually talking about the wrestling match, at least. Four minutes yeah. after the event. Yeah, exactly. But Tony Schiavone fucking isn't. He's Basically, Jeff Jarrett. What's happened there is they've muted him and gone, Scott. Fucking contribute, yeah? Just say something about the Deathlock, <laughs> all right? We're going back in three, two, one. Oh, yeah, DDP managed to escape the Deathlock. Yeah, pretty much. He's not exactly exhilarated by it, is he? Well, I don't understand what's happening. So Jarrett gets... um, Oh, I don't know. So Jarrett gets up from commentary, goes and stands at ringside, right? <sighs> DDP bells to the outside, punches Jarrett, because I think there's meant to be a thing with Kimberly, but I don't really get that across very well. <laughs> they cut back to the ring and Vampiro is behind Sting and you're like, oh, are they meant to be like brothers in paint or whatever? Like that's the gimmick they were going Oh, no, with. no, no. Obviously, we've got this new storyline to pay off. So Sting, um, get, uh, Vampiro gives Sting the final nail in the coffin, aka the Mishinoku driver. Always which, three. Which no one should ever kick out. And so DDP back in the ring, diamond cutter, one, two, three, and your winner and progressing to a tournament final. Spring Stampede. Where they're going to have a match. For the title. Against for the big Jarrett. belt. Yep. Because, yep. Okay. Because uh, so it was explained really brilliantly by Tony Giovanni at the start of the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this whole match was, again, less than a minute or two. There's not a match over like two, three minutes in this whole show. Oh, exactly. This is Russo. Yeah, exactly. Fast booking. Yeah. <laughs> Schizophrenic booking, I think is what we should be going with. So, uh, and for fuck's sake, Jarrett in the ring. He goes to hit DDP with a guitar. <laughs> this was so good. DDP moves. But Jarrett's hitting an imaginary object like 10 foot away from him, it seems like. And Jarrett clocks Kimberly in the face with the guitar as Kimberly goes like this. And wait, and then, <laughs> but while you do your hands, I'll also do, do the live time that it took Jarrett to hit you with the guitar. So I've Go got the guitar it. up. Hands over eyes. I'm waiting. <laughs> Kimberly starts to bend down. DDP's out the way. And bang. bang. <laughs> It's like just it's not the most smooth spot in the world, let's put it that way. Fair play to Jeff Jarrett, smashing Kimberly in the head. <laughs> so the only lady of wrestling who deserves to still be around, poor Kimberly. <laughs> so Jeff Jarrett runs to the back and cuts to adverts, right? As we cut back from the ad break, we get a replay of Double J hitting Kimberly with the guitar shot. Fair enough, actually replaying something that matters, like all good. Uh backstage, Rooster and Bishop are there with Jeff Jarrett. And they're going they want you. Can you not hear them cheering for you? And like everyone, including every single person sitting at home is going, no, no, we fucking can't. No one wants to see Jeff Jarrett again. What you didn't actually see is there was a mirror in front of Russo. They want you. <laughs> they want you. He may as well be talking to himself. <laughs> yeah. like, this is just Russo getting his boy over, right? Yeah. So what is this shit? Jeff Jarrett does another entrance, like a full-on production oh, yeah. entrance. Oh, he's just had a fucking match. Like, what are they playing at? It's very difficult to fill three hours of TV. We established that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> this is only 1.40, the whole show. No, no, that, that it was the three-hour show. This what? was this when Nitro was three hours. Really? All the rest of this is adverts. Fucking hell, okay. All the way through, I was like, you keep mentioning three hours. I was like, well, this was two, surely. Like, no, it was three hours. So in a three-hour show, 
They have a total of about 15 minutes of wrestling. Yeah. Like four matches. Yes. Could you think how many... Jesus fucking Christ. How many cutaways they had, which were for ad breaks on TNT, to yeah. come back to Hogan walking backstage and another ad break. They're all like three or four minutes ad breaks between each of those segments anyway. So they must have had an hour and 20 minutes of adverts. Yes. In a three-hour show. Yeah. Almost half the show. Yeah. Double J gets more pyro, and you're like, fucking hell, the budget boys, you know? He grabs the mic and puts over six days and counting until the chosen one realizes his, um, yeah, realizes his destiny. He's going to be shit for life and end up in TNA. The eternal mid-carder. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Uh, Spring Stampede, it'll be Jarrett versus Diamond Dallas Page. Um, he does a few dick puns. DDP rushes the ring. They brawl. Then... Other people come into the ring, okay? So Steiner, Lex, Bagwell, Vamp, The Wall, Sting, Booker, Cat, New Blood get the better of the old boys. Tony Schiavone out of nowhere starts calling them the Millennium Millionaires Club. And like, wasn't that something we were meant to put over on this show? Like, Russo's like, oh yeah, call them the Millionaires Club. Call them the Millionaires Club on commentary. And Tony Schiavone's like, the Millionaires Club, the Millionaires Club. Just saying it over and over and again. And I'm completely honest, I'd rather be in that club. Oh, fucking A, man. I'm a millionaire and I only have to work like three minute matches. I've got creative control over everything I do as well, <laughs> you know? So um, at the end of it, Russo and Bischoff come out and kind of look across their scene of what they've created, you know, which is an okay idea. But then Brett walks up behind them and we cut to black. Yep. They're like, oh, oh, okay. We're not going to pay that off in any way. Like, well, that's so you watch Thunder. It's just fucking weird. What do you think? What a great way to start the trilogy. <laughs> Man, I'm... I had a great time watching this. It's fun ranting and raving about it as well. It's it's so bad. And the best thing is, because again, to, to prep, knowing for a while that oh, I'm not here next week and I've got a few bits uh, kicking around. Yeah. I've already watched our next episode of Nitro. I've watched nice. some of the bits in between. And obviously, I've already had a time to rewatch Slam um, Slamboree. Mm. You thought this was brilliant to tear to shreds. <laughs> We've got some good stuff coming up. So shit. Uh, so, I mean, you've done this reset. You've got kind of the right idea, but the execution is completely bollocks, you know? I mean, the thing is, you've done a reset and you've taken all the belts. You've yeah. already said you're going cl- to create new champions at Slamboree. You could have cut off about half an hour of the backstage walking and actually had some qualifiers for these matches. You could have yeah, a couple yeah. of tag matches. You could have done this and that. And first of all, how the hell have the Harris brothers got the tag belts at this stage? Because they were pants. They're they're big and scary looking, I guess. Uh, some so sort of a positive. chronic. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, looking forward to that chronic. I know that's coming up. Yeah. That was, I remember we'll see at that time and be like, oh, this is this is could be something special, like crushing Adam <laughs> Bomb. <laughs> Fucking awesome. <laughs> anyway, um what else have I got here? So the minutiae and details are just sloppy as fuck. It's just all to get Russo over and his mates over. It's just it's just it's just Russo's ego on TV. Have you never been part of a wrestling promotion? <laughs> hey, Sh- hey, Alex Shane. How you doing? Hey, Vince Man, How you doing? <laughs> like, really, you know? Uh, I don't know. It's um, any positives at all. I quite like some of the production choices in terms of... I like Madden's shirt. They've, they've got a less shitty ring, you know? Mm, yeah. They've got quite an all right looking stage. It looks kind of industrial and things. They've got some decent vehicles to crash into each other. Yeah. I It would have been a bit better if we'd watched the original TV broadcast, which I tried to find, but couldn't find it anywhere because of all the theme tunes yeah. and stuff, all the funny WCW bullshit ripoffs. But we had the generic WWE Network. Banana, banana, bam, 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 bam. So Sid comes out, like, and you remember Sid's music being like, 
point it comes up to which has to be a rib yeah for sure and i think um the thing i most enjoyed is watching bischoff's reactions to what was happening next to russo like you could see him kind of almost going just pushing away russo as this kind of continues you know definitely separated from this person oh man but yeah Next, well, next week we have a pre-recorded. Oh, sorry. So this show was three hours and had four very short matches. I two, think two qualifiers: uh, Douglas Flair, Henning Jarrett, main event. Five. So five very very short matches, which were all terrible. Raw is War had eight matches on the show in a two-hour show. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Okay, and this is what they're up against. All right, you had Triple H. Versus Takamishinoku. Okay. And you're like, nice. Putting over new guys, interesting development, big guy, small guy, easy story to tell. Big show versus Val Venus. Okay. Big dominant monster, one of your and best the, workers. And the big show. <laughs> <laughs> but they're putting over new stars, Val Venus. Yep. They're making Val Venus here against the big show, right? And Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Jericho. Hang on, you said there were other matches. What other matches have you not listed? <laughs> there's there's a bunch on there, but like those are the ones that like stood out to me as like this is what you have to compete against. Obviously, weekly rules. To Was it Terry Runners against Jackie? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I haven't written them down, so like, I'd have to look it up. Yeah. fuck that. We're at the end of the episode. So, but the point being that WWF are putting on a better product. They're making new stars. They've got a shorter, more disposable, easy to watch show. You know. Imagine having to trawl through these three hours every week and being like, I'm not watching Raw. It's crap. Hang on. <laughs> Wait. That's what we've got now. Exactly. That's my point. You know, it's like they, they need to pick up their game. They need to look at what they used to do. Two hours. Yeah. I but appreciate it, the advertising money is there. You could still do a three hour show and have it booked like it's a two hour show almost. You know I've what I mean? always said they should do a two hour show and they should have a one hour pre-show or a half hour pre-show and half hour post-show. Yeah. Because there's so many people who watch wrestling of our age are now more into the backstage and more into the characters. And obviously they watch it because they know it's it's you know it's fake but they want to know the story behind it things like talking smack had that been part of a smackdown broadcast or part of raw at the end great really good half hour before half hour off they've got people who are good to do it so they've got people like Rene. they've got people like cody graves they can even bring out that dickhead jbl because he was quite good on talking (laughs) smack there's a precedent set for it with american sports as well this is how their show is done they have lots of talking in between stuff which is what's going to happen on fox yeah for sure but that means worst case scenario raw is going to be three hours Smacky D is going to be three hours and the company's going to be dead in five years. Maybe, man. Let's see if Disney buy them out, you know. <laughs> All I can hope from a Vince McMahon standpoint here is that he fucks off to the XFL. Triple H gets his team in place that he's got down in NXT and says, here's how we're going to do it. Yeah. But this is the thing, in all seriousness. So WCW folded despite having some pretty decent talent. Not great talent, but they had decent talent. You look at the main roster now, 10 years ago, everyone would be like, oh, I wish they'd sign this person. I wish they'd sign this person. Mm. All those people are now in WWE. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And none of them can tell stories. Well, for by and large, none of them are stories. The wrestling quality in WWE, similar to in WCW, when, it, when they really kicked out the old boys, the wrestling talent was good. Mm. The storytelling is wank. Um nowadays kind of modern wise i don't think the problem's necessarily what the talent can do because i think they're incredibly yeah. talented it's the the narratives and the stories and the longevity they're not being given yeah you know? but i think a lot of that again you know like you said about the flair 
Shane Douglas. Yeah. Back in 2000, people would have been happy for like a three-month build for that. Maybe mm. maybe six-week build. But can you imagine now if WWE looked at it and said, right, we're going to have Braun Strowman and he's going to go up against Roman Reigns and we're going to now build this to WrestleMania with them on seven hours of TV a week. Yeah. People will get bored. Yeah, absolutely. They, they can't do it. And it's changed, but they need to have compelling quick storylines like they had a little bit in the Attitude Era when they were having monthly pay-per-views but it's turning into this shit yeah it's sad actually and it's going to be interesting to see if slash when AEW get a TV deal yeah to see what they're going to do because a couple of hours a week once a week you know no bullshit in between pay-per-views every few months you know yeah they need to annoyingly take a little bit of the TNA model they don't do pay-per-views all the time the pay-per-view they've just had Storytelling getting shit, but in ring, really good. What impact? Yeah. Okay. Definitely worth what, even just for the main event of Penta and Phoenix against LAX. That's gonna be good. They're all really talented. You Phoenix know. fucks his Spanish fly. Totally, oh really? Totally worth watching. Do us try and do a Spanish fly off the ladder and just like go. <laughs> Scary stuff. But um, next week on this podcast, we will be doing the twenty fourth of no, April. No, we won't. Next week, we are going to be doing New Japan's New Japan Cup, which we pre-recorded <laughs> oh, on just yeah. after WrestleMania. Yeah. So there'll be lots of really bad WrestleMania jokes. It was before WrestleMania, actually. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, there's lots of us going, oh, wasn't it great when this happened at WrestleMania, even though we don't know what's happening. I can't so. believe Brock Lesnar, F5 Charlotte. <laughs> so next week, we're going to have uh, a pre-tape. Yeah, a pre-tape of the New Japan, New Japan Cup, which we're going to be talking about. And then the week after that, we will get back onto our trilogy, which will be the Nitro from the 24th of April 2000 where we will briefly recap Spring Stampede and all the bits that have happened in between because there's a Thunder show we need to talk about at some point as well. Oh yeah. And then the week after that we'll be doing the Slambery from 2000 which will end this Billy Kidman Hulk Hogan trilogy of shows. And as a little uh, side dish to our main event of Kidman Hogan, that Slambery, that main event is the Triple Cage. It is, yeah. The first what VHS I bought after moving out, living by myself. Oh, I really? bought this VHS and watched it. I lived... Well... How disappointing. <laughs> definitely wasn't disappointing. I lived in a freezing cold farm with no um, no heating. Right. So I was watching this in November with ice on the window, sitting under three blankets on my lazy boy chair in this big farmhouse and my big telly just watching this video because I couldn't get a TV signal. Nice, nice. So this always holds a good place for so me. Save that story for the time we get to it, okay? But thank you very much for listening and watching everybody we are live on youtube every wednesday at five o'clock so make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel just go to worldofwrestlingpodcast.com and you can find all the links for all the podcasts youtube etc i am fanboy rich on twitter and instagram i am at the tax williams you can also find me and now fanboy rich every week on owe on nothing else on tv you can also find me doing commentary for sepw check out sepw youtube channel next show coming up 23rd of june kings of summer rumble Hey, I think I might go and win a Rumble, mate. That's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I should be there as well. I think I've got that. It's a rare weekend day I've actually got off in the summer, so I'm looking forward to it, man. Come along. Come watch me win a belt. <laughs> yeah, sepw.co.uk. Kind of find tickets and look for the details and stuff. Uh, go to amazon.com or amazon.co.uk. Buy a T-shirt. Help us support the pod. We'd really, really appreciate it. And uh, thank you, everybody. Love you lots. Bye-bye. New outro. Bye-bye.